You're listening to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. Founded in 2019, Libby Lou's Safe Haven and Boulevard is a micro-sanctuary established to provide permanent refuge and kindness for cows and other animals who have been abused or neglected, have special needs, uncertain futures, or have otherwise been let down by humans. On the line to tell us more is Lori Beaven, founder of Libby Lou's Safe Haven. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and speak with you. Lori, start by giving us an overview of Libby Lou's Safe Haven. What do you do there? Wow. I want to kind of talk to you first maybe about what a micro-sanctuary is, because it's something that a lot of people might not be familiar with. And basically, per microsanctuary.org, any vegan home can be a micro-sanctuary when caring for animals who aren't usually seen as companions. It starts basically on the premise that our space and our resources, no matter how limited they might be, are often still sufficient for us to provide sanctuary to individual animals right now in order to prevent them from ever being used as commodities. And I really like this idea. To me, it encourages people to take ownership and make a difference now, not putting it off and making excuses. Well, because cows are my heart animals, I clearly can't have them living in the city. But I mean, it doesn't even have to be a farm animal. I mean, it can be an insect. It it could be pretty much anything that's not seen as a companion. This basically amplifies to me the power of one, and that to me means one person can make a difference. You know, I may not be changing the whole world, but I am sure making a difference in each of our residents' lives. Mm. Tell us about your journey to start Libby Lou's Safe Haven. Well, I've been a vegetarian since 1992, so for quite a while. So I've been involved in animal rights and animal welfare for quite a long time. Um, And I have thought maybe someday of starting a sanctuary, but, you know, my life has just been living, you know, urban in in cities. But then just before my 50th birthday, something horrible happened. My parents passed away a mere couple of weeks apart, and my world completely crashed down. And I needed out of the city for my mental health. So we picked up and we moved from Normal Heights in San Diego to the eastern plains of Colorado. And uh, the first house we got there came with a barn, and that was the first one I'd ever been in. Mm. I mean, I totally was a city girl. So then I thought, well, maybe now I could finally get a cow. I really just always loved them as a child, but obviously not before doing months and months of research. I'm talking to vets, other folks with cow knowledge on how the heck do you properly care for them. (laughs) We had had three and a half acres in our first house, which compared to normal height was a lot of space, but it's really not for a cow. So then I thought, well, maybe I should get a miniature cow. But then I had no clue on on how to go about that. So after doing a lot of research online, I eventually found a miniature cow ranch that raised show cows. So that basically like show dogs, but show cows. So I asked them if they had any rejects. And they said, no, but we do have a one and a half year old miniature Herford heifer whose best finish was sixth place, which not so great. Not a grand champion, in other words. So I said, okay, can I meet her? And that's when I met Libby Lou. This was at the end of 2017. And she ended up helping me out of my depression and my grief. She's such a good listener through all of 2018. As far as I'm concerned, she saved me. So to thank her and to pay it forward, I decided to start Libby Lou Safe Haven to help other cows and friends in 2019. So then we eventually bought a 36-acre property in Colorado with the most beautiful lush pasture you've ever seen. The animals were so happy there. And I definitely missed San Diego, and I did not like the snow, but the property was 
just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But then in 2020, some unforeseen family emergency medical issues happened, and we ended up having to move back home to San Diego County and quit. And, you know, we needed at least 10 acres. I had uh, six residents at that time. And it, this was during, you know, the beginning of COVID. So the timing couldn't have been worse, but mm -hmm. um, we ended up finding a home in Boulevard. We didn't have a lot of choice. So that's not where I wanted to end up. But the important thing was we were home. Mm -hmm. And how many residents currently live at Libby Lou's? Well, our number of cattle we have is 12. There's eight adults. And there's four calves. And then we have three donkeys, two are standard, and then one is a mammoth. And then we also have eight chickens. So the total number is 23 residents. And tell us about some of the residents and their stories. Okay. Um, let's start with our mammoth jackstock donkey. Her name is Miss T. And, and most people haven't heard or, or don't know what a mammoth jackstock is. They are the largest donkey breed in the world. And then they go all the way back to colonial times. They were actually developed in the United States by George Washington. Demand for this breed dropped sharply with the innovation of vehicles. And after 1918, and thousands of them were slaughtered. They are considered relatively rare to this day and somewhere between threatened and endangered. And Miss T is absolutely magnificent. She's uh, about 16 hands tall at her withers, which is at the top of her shoulder to the bottom of her hoof. And her head is the size of a draft horse. There's larger donkeys out there, but she more than likely will be the largest one most people will ever see. And she just about makes our two standard donkeys look like miniatures. And um, as far as our cows are concerned, in late 2020, a plea went out on social media about a herd of cows in Northern California that were in trouble. They had lived their entire lives at a small family ranch, and they were loved by their elderly caretaker. But then she became ill and unable to care for them, and then other family members deemed them expendable. So they were destined for auction, which means basically slaughter. I didn't respond immediately. I was really hoping another sanctuary closer to them would do the rescue, uh, just because trailering cows from uh, up past Sacramento all the way to Boulevard, that is a long, mm -hmm. long road and trailering is stressful for them. But then the plea went out again, and I just felt like I had to step up. Loyalty is big for me, and I just felt their trust was being betrayed. So after a discussion with our board of directors, we said yes, sight unseen to five adult females. And five cows at once, let me tell you, is a lot. <sighs> Normally, people don't get five at once, especially a very, very small sanctuary. Turns out three were pregnant. I didn't know that, though. Oh, surprise. So... We had, yeah, we had three babies. They were all born in 2021, two months apart. And one even after a negative pregnancy test. So that baby was like a double surprise. <laughs> I mean, these babies, they're one of the biggest blessings of my entire life. But financially speaking, when you're a tiny sanctuary and you plan on five and you get eight, that creates a problem. <laughs> And then lastly, I want to talk about our Augie Norman. Right before we rescued our NorCal herd, I had already committed to providing lifelong love and care to two unborn male dairy calves that were being rescued from an organic dairy also in Northern California. This is the same place that Mama Joy and the Cowboys at Sale Ranch were rescued mm -hmm. from. You uh, are familiar with them. Male dairy calves, they're considered the trash of the dairy industry and they're earmarked for death. Their only purpose is to stimulate milk production from their moms. And we were supposed to get Augie Norman and Dylan, but sadly Dylan passed away from heart issues before 
he could come home. But Augie Norman's life was 100% saved by an amazing group of vegan activists from Los Angeles. I called him the village because it literally took a village to save this little guy. Mm-hmm. From rescue to foster to a GoFundMe for vet bills. He was one of a few rescued that day. He went into a fabulous foster home a couple hours from UC Davis. I want this like almost pretty much the best vet hospital in the country because they're almost always sick due to not getting colostrum from their mom. Colostrum is the initial milk the babies get. It's full of antibodies that help build a strong immune system. He was labeled a failure to thrive calf, basically meaning they couldn't find anything super wrong with him, but he was failing. Mm-hmm. So he, it was touch and go, definitely. Um, so that boy, he cheated death twice. Um, he was the last calf to leave foster. So in May, he was driven all the way to Libby Lou's. He arrived at midnight, being carried into my house by two dedicated activists, Mel and Veronica. He spent every night the next two months in my laundry room and out in his playpen in the barn during the day. I bottle fed him three times a day, and we bonded. Boy, did we bond. As an orphan calf, he's been at a disadvantage compared to the calves that were born at Libby Lou's. And I can do a lot of things for him and baby him, but I can't teach him how to be a cow. Mm. Um, And neither herd that we have has really totally embraced him, which is totally normal. But recently, Daisy Bell, our Holstein, has been bathing him. And Snowflake and Maui, um, two of the calves that were born at Libby Lou's, have been playing with him. And both of these things are huge for his development. He's now approaching his first birthday next month, and we are going to celebrate. He and Snowflake share the same birthday, March the 12th, and they're also lovebirds. They were each born on March the 12th, 2021, in California, but also worlds apart. Snowflake was born at Libby Lou's, albeit in a snowstorm, but safe and loved and by her mother's side, which she'll be the rest of her life. Augie Norman was taken away from his mom moments after birth so the dairy industry could take his mother's milk that was meant for him. So he really didn't even get to meet his mom. I feel like so often we look at farm animals as not really having personalities, but it sounds like you've got a couple of characters there in terms of troublemakers and outgoing cows. Can you tell us about some of the personalities? Sure. I'd say our number one troublemaker is Fleetwood. He's a four-year-old steer, and he's a cross between a black baldy and a belted Galloway. And he's so cute. He basically looks like a panda with an Oreo stripe around his belly. But don't be fooled. He looks angelic, but he is ornery. (laughs) And he will find a breach in your fence light years before you will. (laughs) (laughs) And as far as our donkeys, I'd say definitely Sahara and Fergie. Those are our two standard donkeys. And they're a bonded pair. So they're not technically sisters, but I call them sisters. They've been with each other pretty much their entire lives. They will chase and bite and kick each other and the cows. And they will try and pick the locks off all the gates. And then as far as like being outgoing, definitely Daisy Bell, our Holstein heifer. She loves to meet new people and make new friends. And she's very special to me for other reasons. As a little girl, I wanted a whole scene, and I wanted her to be named Daisy Bell. Mm-hmm. I'm Daisy in milk carton growing up. So she's been basically on my mind for 50 years. She's also the reason I went from decades of being a vegetarian to being a vegan. For years, I had removed dairy from my life, all except for cheese, and it had a hold of me. 
And Mel, one of Augie Norman's rescuers, had said something that resonated with me, that teas ought to have a tax on it like cigarettes because it's just as addictive as nicotine. And I agree with that. But I was finally able to kick that tease habit because of Daisyville. She is a dairy breed, and I wanted to be able to look her in the eye and know I was doing right by both she and her breed. I'm speaking with Lori Beaven, founder of Libby Lou's Safe Haven, a micro-sanctuary that provides permanent refuge and kindness for cows and other animals. Lori, if we were to eat dogs, I think our society would look at us like we had lost our minds. But yet, it's acceptable to eat cows. How does our society determine which animals are acceptable to eat and which aren't? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to what people view as companions. For example, like you were saying, people would freak out at the thought of eating their dog or their cat because dogs and cats in the U.S. are seen as companion animals. But cows, pigs, rabbits, goats, sheep, chickens, turkeys, not so much. And sometimes it's based on religion. You know, Muslims don't eat pork, Hindus don't eat cows. And then sometimes it's just hard to figure out. The idea of horses as companions, you know, that's continuing to grow, but there's still a pipeline out there for horse meat. And just because the processing plants in the U.S. for horse meat closed doesn't mean it stopped. They are just sent to Canada and Mexico for processing. And our two standard donkeys, Sahara and Fergie, they were originally saved from a feedlot by a donkey rescue. And, you know, because farm animals just aren't viewed as companion animals, the laws that define what is inhumane are almost non-existent in factory farms. It's like abuse has been normalized. So what are you trying to accomplish at Libby Lou's? Well, I run all the day-to-day at the sanctuary by myself. I'm on a one-woman mission to open minds and inspire change one heart at a time. Introducing visitors to our residents and letting them see the animal with their hearts, not just with their eyes. I want to invite conversations about compassion, continue to educate people about the impact of a vegetarian or vegan diet can not only have to save cow's lives, but also can lead to a, an overall improvement in the health of the person and help the climate as well. What advice would you give to someone who wants to incorporate more of a plant base into their diet? Well, I was vegan-ish for years, with teas being my only nemesis, but like I talked about earlier, some people can stop eating things immediately. Others need to kind of ease into it. And sometimes it just takes time to find a suitable plant-based alternative. You know, nowadays, there's so many different plant-based meals out there. When I first started being a vegetarian in the 90s, it was Boca and Morningstar. That was it. Mm. So it's a lot easier to become vegetarian or just, you know, start, you have to start somewhere. And, you know, even if you're just, say you do Meatless Monday. So one day a week, you do not eat meat. That might be a good way to just kind of basically stick your toe in the water. But at the same time, you can save roughly three and a half animals' lives per year by just not eating meat one day a week. And then if you do become vegetarian, that number jumps to roughly one animal per day. So you're, mm-hmm. you're not only helping your own health, but you're literally saving lives. What are your future goals for Libby Lou's Safe Haven? Well, my short-term plan next month, so this March, I'm going to launch a new program called Cow 101. And uh, visitors will learn some, some fun cow facts and um, hopefully gain a better understanding of them and get some hands-on time with them as well. Most of our visitors have never been near a cow. 
So I try to show and tell them just how much cows are like dogs. For example, cows know their names, and they may or may not come to you just like dogs, but they do know their names. They're highly food motivated. They like to chase each other and play. Um, Some like to play with balls. They sleep curled up like a dog. They are very affectionate. They like to be petted and brushed. Some like to snuggle with you. They give kisses, and they love their families. And I also would like to include some brushing and petting of those residents who enjoy that. And maybe even get to hug a cow, but no promises. We never make our residents do anything they don't want to do because we are here for them. They are not here for us. So my long-term plans, I have a lot. They're all pretty much dependent on us moving to a better suited property, possibly Ramona or Hamul. First and foremost, I want the residents to have pasture grass at least part of the year. Where we are now, there is zero grass. Grazing is a natural instinct that they have, and they need to be able to do it. And I didn't rescue them just to put them on dirt the rest of their lives. I am determined to give them some grass to munch on. And on top of that, Augie Norman is showing signs of allergies. And we've been working with our vet to try to find a company that will allergy test cows. But so far, we are coming up with nothing. So he's currently on steroids daily. And I have to rinse his hay before every meal to wash the dust off. Mm. So Boulevard is the worst place he could live with allergies because it's very dry and the wind blows all the time. And the donkeys, you know, as equines, they are very susceptible to sand colic, which can be fatal. I give them psyllium once a week out of each month. And that's basically Metamucil. It keeps things moving through their intestines. But that's just one more thing to worry about where we live. I want to start a volunteer program, but I'd like to make it easy for people to volunteer. And driving to Boulevard isn't the easiest. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a lot easier if we live closer in. And having volunteers would help both the residents and myself immensely. And I'm passing around the idea of maybe setting up some sort of animal therapy program because, you know, I know firsthand how animals can reach a part of your soul that humans can't. But there's a lot of liability involved in that. Even with our insurance and signed waivers, you know, cows are very large animals who don't really realize how big they are. So I need to think about that some more. And then lastly, we're going to be looking for a property that either has a second dwelling already on it or is zoned for an ADU because I'd like to have like a farm stay, Airbnb type of thing on the property that I can include with sanctuary visits, like a package where you can stay on the sanctuary property, get a tour, get some one-on-one time with the residents, kind of see what all goes into running a sanctuary, but then still be close enough to do other things and fun things in town, like hiking or wine tasting or whatever. But I know finding said property is going to be very difficult because ideally we need at least 10 acres. And those two places we're looking are much more expensive than Boulevard. But I just believe the right property for us will be out there somewhere when we're ready. And when you do things for the right reasons and your heart is right, good things happen. So I'm keeping the faith. I'm speaking with Lori Beaven, founder of Libby Lou's Safe Haven, a micro-sanctuary that provides permanent refuge and kindness for cows and other animals. Like you said, cows are large animals. They eat a lot. Uh, You've also got medical costs to think about. How much does it cost to keep things running each month at Libby Lou's? It costs roughly $2,000 to $2,500 per month to keep everything going. Hay prices fluctuate, especially during the drought. And also as the calves nurse less, they will continue to eat more and more hay. And unlike most sanctuaries, like I mentioned, we have no grass, dessert and desert type plants. 
So they can't eat pasture grass during the day when they're out. We're 100% dependent on the hay that we purchase. And then on top of the drought, there's also a hay shortage. So sometimes the hay farms are out of the cow hay. So we'll end up having to purchase a more expensive type of hay. How can someone donate to Libby Lou's Safe Haven? We would be thrilled with anybody that wanted to donate. And um, it's very easy. They can go to our website, which is LibbyLouSafeHaven.com, and click the tab, How You Can Help. And we can also accept donations on both our Facebook page and our Instagram page. And because our status is a 501c3 nonprofit, all donations are tax deductible. If you'd like to visit us, we're open on Sundays only, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., and by appointment only. And if you're interested, you can reach me through the contact form on our website or message me through Facebook or Instagram to, to check tour availability. And what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of starting their own sanctuary? I would say, first and foremost, check and recheck and recheck zoning for any property you have your eyes on. For, for San Diego, it's not as simple as just a piece of land that's zoned ag, you know, for agriculture. It's not like that. And what I ended up doing, any property that we were looking at, I would call the zoning division multiple times. So I would talk to different people and make sure I was getting the same answer because you want to be 100% positive that the property you're getting, you're allowed the animals that you want to rescue. And you need to find out if there is a cap on the amount of animals you can have per acre. Super important. So number one, do that. And pick an animal or animals to rescue that really make your heart sing because you are not going to have any more vacations probably. Mm -hmm. Sleeping in will not be a part of your life. Days off will be non-existent. It's an everyday activity. You can't take a day off if you don't feel well, if there's a storm. It doesn't matter. I mean, they have to be cared for. So just know that commitment has to be there and feel a connection with those animals. Cows are my heart animals. I would do anything for them. I love them so much. So I don't consider the chores I do for them to be a chore. And have a financial plan because cost of hay is going up, cost of supplies is going up, cost of life is going up. So you've got to have money in the bank or some kind of financial plan because it takes a long time to start growing your donor base. It's not going to happen overnight. So you're going to have to have a good amount of money saved up so you're not stressing out every second of every day. Research how to care for the animal that you've chosen to rescue. You need to know, you know what their medical needs are, what their nutritional needs are, what their socialization needs are. Become an expert in that animal or animal. Also, I suggest be fluent with social media. I was raised in a time before social media, so I really had to learn this. And it's a way to grow your donor base and really get some interest in your sanctuary, but um, you have to stay on top of it. So become fluent in it. There's a couple of places, Best Friends Animal Sanctuary in Kanab, Utah, and then um, Love and Arms is in Colorado outside of Denver. There are two really good resources. You can even look online. They have all kinds of things you can read about like so you want to start a sanctuary it really plays devil's advocate with telling you all the things that can go wrong it almost kind of tries to talk you out of it because you really need to know what you're getting into because these animals like our donkeys can live over 40 years our cows could live over 20 years this is a commitment mm -hmm. and it's not fair to them to rescue them and then have to rehome them because it's something you screwed up 
So just think long and hard. It's the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life, but it's also the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So research, have support, talk to people that are knowledgeable so you can learn and become an expert and just have realistic goals. Don't get 20 animals at once to start. Just uh, do it slowly, grow slowly, make sure you have the funds and just enjoy what you're doing. I think bottom line is if you don't love it, don't do it. I've been speaking with Lori Beaven, founder of Libby Lou's Safe Haven, which provides permanent refuge and kindness for cows and other animals who have been abused or neglected, have special needs, uncertain futures, or have otherwise been let down by humans. Any last thoughts for us, Lori? I would love it if everybody would like to come out and visit us. Like I had mentioned before, we're open on Sundays from 11 to 2, and we have some residents that would love to meet you, and I'd love to meet you. And I'd like to just, you know, introduce you to our residents and just teach you some things about them so maybe you'll have a better understanding. Tell us again how we can reach you to arrange that tour. You can go to our website, LibbyLouSafeHaven.com. Um, there's a contact form there that you can reach me through. You can also message me through our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thank you so much for talking with us today. And thank you for making a difference in the lives of these farmed animals. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it very, very much.